You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson. Mike is gone. I am out on my own, but not really. Uh, Mike's taking the day off because I am welcoming... Corey Smith, editor of Pack Pride, our NC State website on the 24-7 Sports Network. Corey, how are things? I'm doing wonderful, man. How are you, Chris? Not bad. I appreciate you coming on. We are taking turns on each other's podcasts and and to preview this weekend's non-conference game uh, between West Virginia and NC State. So let's jump right into it. First things first is that NC State is 2-0. Uh, two lopsided victories by a combined score of, let me do the math, 75-6 to six over East Carolina and Western Carolina. What can we take from that? What have you seen from those two games that might be indicative of what's to come this season? Because obviously, you know, the two opponents are not great, which is, which is normal for most schools this time of year. So what are you taking from those two games uh, so far? Well, you know, as you mentioned, obviously they're they're not the greatest of opponents. ECU was going through an entire coaching staff change. They took over the JMU staff that you know, obviously West Virginia faced in the first game. Uh, so they they took on the entire JMU staff, and uh, you know there was some expectations going into that one that you know things might be different from last year. But uh, NC State wins that one handily, and then goes against Western Carolina, an FCS program, and. You know, the, the score was 3-0 to zero after the first quarter, and State was trying out some different things and, you know, just went to the run in the second quarter and, and held, a I believe it was 24-0 lead at the half uh, and then ran away with a 41-0. So, you know, there's not a whole lot that you're going to gain from, from those first two games or, or really know what the takeaways are because we, we still feel like we don't know a whole lot about this team. But, you know, in watching it, the big standout so far have been the fact that, you know, NC State is running the ball really well. Uh, it seems like the offensive line has you know, carried on and continued uh, things that they've been doing in the past, even though they lost three offensive linemen from last year. Uh, Matt McKay has looked good at times. Uh, you know, it seems like they're still holding him back a little bit to not put a whole lot on film uh, because they didn't really have to. They didn't play two quality opponents. So, uh, you know, he's, he's rolled out of the pocket a little bit. Uh, there's some expectations that he's going to be a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback moving forward, but... You know, he didn't show it against Western Carolina. They were trying to you know, see what he could do as a passer. He's completed over 60% of his passes on the season. So, you know, NC State fans are happy with that, but he's missed some he's missed some big passes down the field, and that's something that you're going to have to see moving forward, especially going into, you know, West Virginia, where, you know, the atmosphere is going to be completely different than playing at home. Uh, defensively, the big thing has been being able to stop the run. Uh, they allowed a grand total of eight rushing yards against um, – Against West Virginia or against West Virginia, against Western Carolina this past weekend, it might uh, be eight yards this weekend too. Yeah, the yeah. way things are going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they gave up. They gave up a total of eight yards, and then they gained three hundred nine yards. So, you know, when it comes to running the ball, NC State feels confident about both sides. Uh, you know, which I know has been uh, cl- a clear weakness for West Virginia going into this weekend. Uh, speaking of the defense, uh, there is a man there. Uh, by the name of Tony Gibson. Uh, some people in Morgantown may have heard of him. 
Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, there, somebody asked me about him the other day, but what kind of impact has he had there for NC State with – because the first thing, honestly, I forgot to mention this beforehand, but when I was looking at the NC State depth chart to do some research earlier this week, there are 12 positions listed on the depth chart for defense. Obviously, 12 people can't be out there. But then when you were telling me a little bit about it beforehand, it's making sense of why there's 12. And and why is that? Can you tell me what, what kind of impact Gibson has had on that defense and what they're going to do scheme-wise? Well, and I, and I I spoke about this a little bit in the five facts as well, um, or the five questions that you sent me over as well. But, you know, Tony Gibson, the first thing, first of all, you know, he's brought over that three three five defense that he's, he's played with for years. Uh, you know, the big thing for him has been the fact that he's he's been able to bring that over and at a perfect time, too, because, you know, NC State, as, as many people might know, in 2017, uh, they had four defensive linemen taken in the NFL draft. Uh, one was Bradley Chubb, who went in the first round. Another one was B.J. Hill, who's been playing a lot for uh, the Giants. And then Justin Jones, as well as Contavious Street. All those guys, and, you know, Dave Doran said, you know, back then they didn't want to take those guys off the field. Like, they had so many good defensive linemen, they didn't want to take them off the field. Well, this year they like a lot of their defensive linemen, but and we'll get to this in a little bit, but, you know, they're all really young. Uh, so they've got some experience on the defensive line, but they feel really good about the talent level that they have with linebackers. So uh, they're, they're so good at linebacker now that they feel like we've got to have three guys out there at linebackers. So uh, they've, they've had the 4-2-5 still at the base, and that's more than likely what they'll start out with against West Virginia this coming up weekend. But, you know, they've switched over to that 3-3-5 that Tony Gibson's brought in. And, you know, it seems like it's it's been seamless to this point. Obviously, as I mentioned, they haven't played against a, you know, a good opponent to this point. Uh, but, you know, for State, they have to feel good about where they're at with this 3-3-5 because uh, they have so many talented guys at linebacker. Uh, Isaiah Moore is the guy that's a returning starter for them, uh, whereas Lewis Asus has stepped up into a starting role as well. Uh, you know, and then Brock Miller is a guy that's that's played a lot. Peyton Wilson is a guy that's played a lot. Drake Thomas is a true freshman that's gotten on the field quite a bit. Uh, C.J. Hart is another guy. So, you know, all these names up and down the list of, of linebacker, they feel like they have, you know, two quality uh, three linebacker sets that they can play. So that 3-3-5 has come over and, and been kind of a, you know, a big part of what NC State has done through the first two games. It'll be interesting to see how much they use it going to West Virginia, because obviously, you know, some of the offensive players know a little bit about uh, how to play against that scheme uh, when it comes to practicing it uh, throughout the offseason. You mentioned a couple of the names here uh, in that last piece, but I was going through the recruiting classes for NC State, and I look back at 2016, no four stars, 2017, no four stars. 2018 and 2019, a combined 10 four-star recruits. First off, what what changed, you know, between those two years? What, what's been the big difference, at least on the recruiting trail for NC State there? Well, one of the biggest things has been the, you know, just the amount of talent in, in the state of North Carolina as well. Because, you know, when you go up and down that list, a lot of those guys are from the state of North Carolina. Guys like Ricky Person a running back for NC State was, you know, he played right here in NC State's backyard at Heritage High School in Wake Forest, which is right outside of the Raleigh area. Uh, Ali McNeil, a guy that's a four-star as well, uh, he played right here in the Raleigh area at Sanderson High School. 
uh, you know, then you're going to the true freshman guy like Drake Thomas that I just mentioned that's getting some early playing time. He played at Heritage along alongside of uh, Ricky Person. Uh, and then Peyton Wilson is a you know four-star kid that was originally committed to UNC, decommitted, uh, you know, through all of the things that were going on at UNC over the past two years. Uh, so that's helped a little bit as well. The fact that, you know, Wake Forest and Duke are always recruiting at a different, um, you know, a, a kind of different kids because they have to bring in guys that are, you know, that fit those academic standards. Uh, so NC State and UNC have always been the ones competing for, you know, some of the top kids in the state, and that's just typically how it's been. And, you know, with UNC being down over the last two years, that's helped NC State. But, you know, the fact that the in-state talent has been so rich uh, and several other guys that they've been able to bring in, a few guys from out of the state of North Carolina that have been guys that they feel really good about building as well and have stepped in and, and had an immediate uh, role. Like Tanner Engel played a lot last year for NC State uh, and has taken over that starting safety role. Tishon Smith is another guy that's from the state of Florida. Uh, so all these guys have just come in and, and immediately had an impact. So that's that's what you want when you when you recruit classes that are that good. You want them to have an immediate impact. And it doesn't always come to fruition, but uh, watching these guys, it's been it's been a lot of fun to be able to see so much young talent up and down the roster for NC State over the last couple of years. Wow, yeah, I, shows how well I did my research here. But because yeah, as you were talking, I went and looked at it, and yes, the all four um, four star recruits from last year's class are from North Carolina, and the top three four star recruits from the previous class are from North Carolina. That's that's nice. Look at having <laughs> that right there in your backyard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's not always been something that's been it's been prevalent in the state of North Carolina too, because there's always been a lot of you know a lot of D1 talent that comes from the state of North Carolina. Uh, but you know, I think people are starting to see just how good uh, players, especially right here in Wake County, especially, are have been playing lately. So I think that has helped NC State in a big way. Um, getting back to the game this Saturday, Neil Brown said after Missouri that there were a few position groups that concerned him, the matchups that West Virginia had with them. And so Mike and I went around looking at the NC State roster and noticed some similarities at a couple spots. Uh, first on that was the secondary, where Brown had mentioned that those long, long kind of uh, lengthy athletic defensive backs cause West Virginia problems. I'm assuming in part because the West Virginia wide receivers have had trouble kind of getting separation and creating plays one-on-one. And when I look at NC State's depth chart, I see a six-foot corner, a six-three corner, and then a six-three nickelback. Um, that's kind of big. It's kind of long. It's kind of athletic looking. Uh, what's it look like back there for the Wolfpack? Well, you know, as you mentioned, obviously, guys like, uh, guys like Stephen Griffin, the nickelback that you're referring to, Chris Ingram, uh, is another guy that's really kind of tall and lanky. You know, the one thing for NC State that they do lose this week is Nick McLeod. Uh, they've, they've, Dave Doran's already said he will be out this coming up week. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, NC State leaned upon to be their starting cornerback. Uh, Tishon Smith, that I mentioned earlier, uh, he will be taking over that role and more than likely playing in that position. Uh, and then, you know, across the middle, uh, you've got guys that are, you know, you got a linebacker in Peyton Wilson that is six foot four, looks like a defensive end, uh, but is speedy and still plays the linebacker spot. Uh, kind of like a, you know, an, more of an edge rusher that's playing off the line. 
Uh, and then you've got a guy in Isaiah Moore that's got good size as well across the middle. So, yeah, there's a lot of size in this back, in the defensive backfield as well as the linebacker core. Uh, and then, you know, to me, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest hitters, ironically enough, uh, in Tanner Engel, uh, a guy that's only you know generously listed at five foot ten, five foot eleven, I believe, uh, on the on the depth chart. He's a guy that you know we we've, we've mentioned before. He's always going to be a player to watch because uh, I was talking about it. Actually, we have a weekly podcast, and I told our guy James Curl, I was like, look, you know, watching Tanner Eagle, he's a guy that when you see a defensive, when you see a pass breakup, it's not going to be you know, oh, he put his hand up in the air and he he tipped it away. It's he separated the ball from the player. He's going to hit you uh, directly in the middle and, and, and knock the ball out. So uh, he's going to be a fun guy to watch. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of length uh, to this defensive backfield for NC State as well as the, the front seven. But, you know, Tanner Ingle is going to be another guy to watch, even though he's probably the shortest player on that side of the ball. On the offensive line, that was another spot that, that Mike and I had noticed. Uh, but looking at it further – we saw because everybody on that line is, uh, you know, decent height, six six on the tackle, six three at the guard, six one in the center. But everybody's over three hundred pounds. And on the right hand side, the right guard and right tackle, there's a combined thirty four starts in their career. But center, left guard, left tackle, prior to this season, prior to these two games against East Carolina and Western Carolina, between the three guys, there are a total of two starts. Both for uh, now, you're gonna have to help me pronounce this last name, Joe Skullthorpe. Is that right? Skullthorpe, yep. Yeah. Uh, how has that side of the line stacked up, and what are your expect- expectations? Is that a place where West Virginia can get some pressure? Uh, you know, again, because of the fact that we've only seen these guys really play in, in two games, uh, you know, and the fact that it's, I mean, to be quite honest, as we mentioned before, we don't really know exactly what level of competition they played because East Carolina doesn't look like a good team. Western Carolina has has traditionally not been a great team and, and is coming off of, I believe that was their uh, ninth or tenth straight loss uh, dating back to last year. So, yes, there's what we've seen so far on film looks really, really good. But again, we don't know what it's going to look like against a Power 5 team or, you know, in two weeks against a team like Florida State. So, uh Grant Gibson so far, which is the center that you're discussing, uh, he's a converted defensive tackle, uh, which, you know, for most teams, you'd be like, oh, we don't really, that that sounds like a bad thing. But you have to go back to the fact that Garrett Bradbury, a guy that was converted tight end, ends up three years later becoming uh, the starter for the Minnesota Vikings after becoming a first-round pick. So, you know, this team has done a lot of converting and, and moving players around. Uh, you know, but at that at that left tackle position, I think is going to be the biggest question mark uh, because they were expecting a guy like Tyrone Riley uh, that was, you know, kind of thrust into action last year whenever they needed him. Uh, if there was an injury along that left side or along that right side as well, uh, you know, he was he was expected to be the starter. Emmanuel McGurk, a former four star uh, recruit that has gone through a lot of injury concerns. Uh, he's now a graduate to tackle. He got his first uh, start uh, the season uh, in the first game, and then going to the last game, he gets another start. So, uh, But another name to watch will be a guy in the Kim Aquanu, uh, which is a, a tough name to remember. But uh, he's a guy that has played 50 snaps. He's a true freshman, didn't come in until uh, the beginning of fall camp. Uh, he's been a guy that's been really, really good so far. 
so to answer your question, uh, I don't know. <laughs> could be. I mean, it, it could be a weak spot for NC State, but we don't know at this point. Uh, you know, the one the one thing I do know though is that while Joe Schoolthorpe has not uh, played a lot uh, in previous seasons, it was because of the fact that uh, Justin Witt was put in that spot and ended up being a really strong candidate for that last year. Hold, held down the the right tackle spot. Um, Skullthorpe has come in and, you know, by all accounts from last year, uh, pro football focus had him as the number two returning offensive lineman in the entire ACC, despite not having, you know, as many plays under his belt. So he's still going to be a strong suit uh, for this team. And everything that we've seen from Grant Gibson as well has been really strong up the middle, opening up the, you know, opening up gaps for Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person to run through. Wow. Uh Backup offensive linemen that 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 play well and and running game. You, I, this is this is not my forte. I don't know what that is right now. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> uh, Corey, I'm going to put you on the spot. It's prediction time. Uh, at the moment, uh, Las Vegas has the line set at six and a half. NC State is a favorite by six and a half points. Uh, listeners of this podcast and readers of our site know that I am extremely anti-gambling or at least good gambling. So I'm going to need your help here. Are you picking NC State or West Virginia? And if you're picking NC State, will they cover? I think, uh, so I'm, I'm going with NC State here, and I'm going with them to cover. Uh, my prediction would be 27 to 17. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on on my podcast as well. And if you haven't listened to it, go over to packpride.com and listen to that. It's on. It's generously named the Pack Pride Podcast, uh, so it should be easy to find. Uh, but, you know, to me, the biggest thing uh, for NC State is they're going to have to go in. I think, to me, because of the fact that we've seen the struggles for West Virginia, I think they're going to go in and pound the rock. They're going to try to get the running game going, try to create some separation there, get some early points on the board. And, you know, look, if West Virginia fans uh, lose a little bit of interest at that point, I think that's a huge bonus for NC State because they're going to have to get uh, Matt McKay going. Uh, so if, if they can get the running game going, if they can get Matthew McKay uh, playing well and the defense is able to hold, I think I think West Virginia, just because of the fact that, you know, they're they're going into this week with you know, their heads held down and, and wanting to come out and do some good things, I think they'll score early. I think they'll get, a you know, seven to ten points up on the board early on and keep this a tight game. Uh, but NC State's defense throughout the season so far uh, and what we've seen in the past as well is they, they give up a little bit of early points. And then they settle down and they figure things out. So I think, you know, even after that point, if it if there's 10 points up on the board after the first quarter or, you know, through the first half, I think NC State's able to hold uh, in the second half and be able to make this a 27-17 game, uh, get three touchdowns, I think two rushing, one passing, uh, and then, you know, two field goals out of Christopher Dunn, a guy that, you know, going into West Virginia has, uh, you know, knock on wood, I believe at this point has made – uh, gosh, I want to say 13 straight field goals. Uh, so there's there's some confidence in him going to this weekend as well. Well, Corey, I, I hate to tell you this, but our last guest for the Missouri game predicted the Tigers would beat West Virginia by four touchdowns, and they did, but that did not stop the message board beatdown that came for him from the West Virginia fans. So, I, <laughs> you no, no soul is safe. I uh, you may not want to read that, but um, I appreciate the pick. I think we had similar picks. I, I believe when I was on your podcast, I had 
NC State winning by eight. Uh, you got them by ten. So we're, we're on the same page here. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting. You know, NC State, we're going to see what I, th- I think we're finally going to see what NC State is capable of against, man, West Virginia is a real opponent. Uh, although they haven't played well, I think they'll at least give NC State their, their toughest challenge so far. And this is also a kind of a telltale game for West Virginia as well. It's a turning point game that if they lose this, they're one and two and heading into big 12 play. If they win, they're two and one and heading to Kansas with a chance to go three and one and kind of forget about Missouri. So this is a big game for both teams. And you know what fans of both teams, we got great coverage on both sites. Now, everybody listening to this, you already know of earsports.com, everything we have there written and speaking and they have the same at packpride.com, so be sure to check that out. Corey and Michael have a ton of coverage, uh, preview pieces, and, and I'm sure they're going to have their podcast up later this week. So make sure you get over there and check it out, uh, talk with their fans on their message board, invite them over to our message board, and tell them about all the great things to do in Morgantown when they come up for the game. Corey, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. All right, Chris, I appreciate it, man. I look forward to seeing you. All right, and thanks again for everybody for listening.